Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach and motivational speaker who has a passion for helping women who need a second win. She is the author of the Amazon bestseller, Effortless Happiness, How to Find Your Voice and Finally Ask for What You Really Want. She studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, and is a fully certified coach in his program. Also, she has served as an assistant in his training programs. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted thousands of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guests will help you to get your second wind. Now here's your host, Joyce Buford. Oh, thank you so much. Welcome to Second Wind. Second Wind was created for women in transition. And I am Joyce Buford, founder of Joyce Buford Empowers and Second Wind. I created this course primarily for the woman going through transition to hear other to hear other women that have successfully made whatever that transition is. For me, it was divorce. For others, it will be job change. It could be children leaving. It could be taking over your responsibilities of your family or loss of a loved one through death. So we're here today to get you back into full second wind for yourself. Now, our guest today is going to be Stefan Gonick. And Stefan is a soul mentor, EFT practitioner, which he will explain further for you, and a founder of the Soulmate Attraction Academy. He has been helping individuals and couples with their relationship issues for over 24 years. So this man knows what he's talking about. Stefan has helped thousands of people have the life and love they most desire. So we'll look forward to him coming on and talking with you. I know you want to stay attached to the program today so that you can get the benefits of his love and passion, relationships and love. So what is the magic of love? You know, I Googled love. What is love? And there's over a million topics on Amazon. It's a big topic and it engulfs, it engulfs our lives. It is part of who we are. But it, is it a state of magic of life or is love separate? But yet it is part of our life. It seems to be a basic state of our life. It is a survival in, ingredient for living for all of us. Without live, love, can I survive? What exactly is love? Well, one of the common definitions I've found, very short, very brief, love is a powerful emotion that overcomes you. Throughout our history, couples in love have caused wars and controversy, created masterpieces in writing, music, and art, and have captured the heart of the public with the power of their emotional love story. Now, I just wanted to share some of the great love stories that you've heard through the generations. There's Cleopatra of Egypt and Mark Antony of Greece. 
There's Anne Boleyn and Henry VIII in England. John and Abigail Adams, a founding father of the fathers of John Quincy Adams, who was our fifth president. Diego Rivera and Frida Kahlo, a Mexican painter and a muralist. Awesome woman, very forward-thinking woman. Um, Wallace Simpson and King Edward VIII chose love over kingship. He was the Duke of Windsor and continues to be the, continued to be the Duke of Windsor of England, but he spent most of his life with his wife and outside the royal family blessing. He chose love over title. And then, of course, there's Grace Kelly and Prince Rainier of Monaco. American film star Grace Kelly left the life of Hollywood to become Princess of Monaco. All of these are amazing stories, and the stories go on. So there are lots of examples of the magic of the feeling of love and how it it overtakes us, empowers us to go on and make major life changes for the love of love. Of course, there is the all-time favorite that continues to be the all-time favorite all over the world, and that is the fairy tale story produced by Walt Disney called Cinderella. Cinderella finding her prince. Now, off this shapes our desires to feel, to be loved, and to feel complete from feeling the emotion of love. But this is only a small part of a story. Where does the love really start? The story begins with oneself, I believe. What? You mean I can love, I can love one? That could be one instead of two people? Doesn't require another person. Not really. You must appreciate, respect, and honor yourself knowing you're worthy to be loved. It's an inside knowing job. Loving yourself will better serve you to become and enter into a love relationship and to have that ability to, to conquer the interactions and the nuances of a relationship. I share myself as an example here. This was much before I had begun my journey of self-appreciation. So I hadn't done my homework. Most of my modeling was from my own family of origin, my parents, who in, in, in their lives had never seen a healthy relationship modeled. So I grew up in a family seeing struggle in their relationship. And that was my <laughs> that was my tri- training for marriage. I walked away with doubt and fear. I was looking at a relationship that would help me feel complete and safe. And for several years that did work, but then the the difficulty of the relationship prevented that from working. And after 20 years, I was in a divorce. Now, I only share this with you 
because when I met Stefan, I was so um excited to see a man actually wanting to help mend and build relationships. His clients have the benefit of working with a man who I think, Stefan, you did go through a divorce, did you not or not? I don't know. Maybe it was another relationship, but which you can share with us. But it was all about he had actually experienced love and loss, love and loss, and he prepared himself to become an authority on relationships. So today, you are in a wonderful position to hear our guest, because I think we've all experienced love, disappointment, love, disappointment. It's just part of growing our, our inner strength. So, Stefan, that being said, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Joyce. Yeah. Well, Stefan's going to be talking about the reason you haven't found your soulmate yet and how to attract love now. So this is a big topic because there are so many hungry people out there wanting to find that relationship, right? Yes, absolutely. This is a a huge topic. Um, There's so many people that, you know, as you were saying, love is a hugely important part of our lives. Yeah. And yet it's something that so many people struggle with. Uh-huh. You know, people either uh, never get married. You know, they have these, you know, unsatisfying relationships one after the other. Some right. people never actually get in one. Uh-huh. And a lot of people do get married but end up very unhappy and end the marriage. And mm-hmm. and and for those people, lots of times, you know, after 10, 15, 20-year marriage, something like that, you know, once they get out of it, they make this vow that, you know, never again like be with a man who X, whatever the right. the worst aspects of that marriage was. You know, never again will I be with a man who with anger issues again or never you know, never again will I be with a man who's emotionally unavailable or whatever these whatever was the, the biggest yeah. painful aspect of the marriage. And so they put off being in a relationship for a year or two or however long. Right. And they try really hard to avoid it, and yet the next relationship they get in, they're shocked to discover that, oh, my God, here I am again. Right. <laughs> I tried so hard to avoid a man like that, and yet <laughs> yes. I got another one. And right. he didn't seem that way when I met him either, right? This new right. man seemed really good, and it didn't seem like he was like my ex-husband, and yet <laughs> here I am again. It's like... It's maddening and confusing, discouraging, and hair pulling. You know, like yeah, it's it's a big struggle for the great majority of people. Well, Stefan, why is it so? This is this is intense pain that someone goes through when they realize a relationship isn't making, when their partner isn't making. Why is this so intense for us? It is the most powerful pain. I think it's far different from physical pain. It it just seems to consume our world. So can you can you enlighten us more about that? Why the pain is so intense? Well I think it's intense for a bunch of reasons put together. Yeah. You know, if if you think about it, if someone dies and, you know, if the relationship ends, you've lost that person. Yeah. And if, if, if you think about a, a situation where the person you're with dies, 
you're losing the person there, but it's a very simple thing. It's very painful, right? You're, our partner yes. dies. So we go right. into mourning and grief and it's, it's very, very painful. Right. But when we, when a relationship ends, we have the same pain, right? We've lost that person in our life. We may never talk to that person again. Right. So there's this huge loss similar to when mm-hmm. somebody dies. Mm-hmm. But then there's these other things that get added on top of that. One of the things that's really painful about a relationship not working out is that we all tend to have this dream about this, you know, what a relationship is going to be like for us. You know, it's kind of independent yeah. of the person. We have this big yeah. dreams of I'm going to meet my, the love of my life, and then we're going to create this life together, uh, mm-hmm. mar- getting married, maybe having children, maybe going on, you know, setting up this home and family life, maybe going on adventures together. There's this, there's this big dream that we have mm. that is not specific to the person we're marrying. It's about what we hope to have once we find our partner. Yes. So there's so then there's there's this loss of that dream is painful mm-hmm. too. So we have the loss of the individual, and then we also have this very painful loss of the dream. Yeah. And then there's a third. Yeah. And then there's a third thing that's also painful. And that is when a relationship doesn't work out, um, we all tend to have some degree of self-doubts and insecurities and feeling kind of not lovable ourselves in some way. Right. And when a relationship ends, it really kind of stabs us in that place of self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Like if this didn't work out, maybe it's, it, it's a confirmation that there's something wrong with me, that deep right. down I'm not okay, that I'm flawed or broken or not good enough or not lovable or something like that. Right. So now, and that's very painful. So we have, yeah. instead of a single source of pain, when somebody dies, we've lost a person as a single source of pain. But when a, a relationship ends, we have three sources. We've lost the person, we've lost the dream, and now we're having all these painful feelings about ourselves. So, yeah, I think it's the single most painful emotional experience we have. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes we get to repeat it more than once. Yay. <laughs> yeah. so, so why does that happen? Why do, why, I, now I realize that when you're on the honeymoon, so to say, when you're new in a relationship, everybody's working harder at meeting their partner's needs. And they're in this euphoria, you might say, uh, uh by those chemicals that are released in our brain that say, Oh, life yeah. is wonderful. And this is great. And, and we ex, we actually do nice things. And why does it change? Why, why is it, is it because we don't have the right conversations before we enter a relationship? It's actually much, much, much deeper than that. Okay. And it's, it's something that people aren't, most people are not aware of this at all. Okay. So, Maybe we can use that as a segue into sort of the main thing that we're going to be talking about today. Sure. And so so the thing that people tend to notice to greater and lesser levels of awareness is yeah. that we tend to have this repeating pattern, right? Maybe uh-huh. If somebody's had multiple relationships, even though each partner is different in a lot of ways, you know, they're, they're different people, there tends to be a repeating theme. So I gave a couple examples. It could be the repeating theme of, emotionally unavailable guy. You know, he might be fun and funny and this and that, smart, 
but he's emotionally unavailable, and that's painful. Or he may yeah. be somebody who's very quick to anger and blows up and yells and screams. That's ah. you know, their part. Right. Right. Or they may be uh, really needy and dependent. Or they may be um, very critical and judgmental. There, there's, some, there's some kind of theme that keeps showing up. Yeah. And, you know, that, and I think people tend to become aware that there, there seems to be a repeating pattern here, but they're not really understanding why it's happening. And they try to avoid it. Like the first step is, okay, I'm aware of this pattern, so now I'm going to try and avoid it. And yet they discover they seem to be helpless about avoiding it. Like you said, you know, maybe I'll be more careful, ask better questions. Yeah. And yet that doesn't work because as, as careful as they try and be, as, as many questions as they try and ask, as much as the person doesn't seem to be another one of those men, you know, a year or two in the relationship, they discover that, oh, my God, he is another one of those men. Against <laughs> all my best efforts, in spite of all my best efforts, here I am again. Yeah. So we have to try and understand what's truly going on here because this has got nothing to do with our conscious awareness, unfortunately. So to help people get this, what I'd like to do actually is lead everybody in exercise. Okay. All right. So here's what I'd like everybody listening to do. I'd like you to close Mm -hmm. your eyes and think about your parents, the people you grew up with. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter which gender. I know just because you're a woman, you're going to tend to think about your father, but it's not just your father. So I want you to think about, like, the worst trait of your father growing up. Like, you know, was he one of the ones we were talking about? Did he blow up easily? Was he emotionally unavailable? Something like that. Yeah. Just think of what was the most painful trait of your father, one or two traits maybe, and also Mm -hmm. what was the most painful trait growing up of your mother that, you know, that you experienced with having her as your mother? Yes. Okay. Okay. And now, think about your ex-husband um, and a couple other significant relationships. Your ex-husband, mm-hmm. if you have more than one. Mm. And start with a more recent one and check to see: does, Did this person have any of these negative traits, these painful traits of either of your parents? So Bingo. Do that first, <laughs> first partner, right? And then look at the second partner. Same thing. Did that person have any of these negative traits? And then think of your third partner. And if you're like most people, including Joyce, apparently, <laughs> the answer is yes. bingo. Bingo. <laughs> or, oh, my God, you know. <laughs> Bam. And so this is the source. This mm-hmm. thing about being attracted to the same kind of person over and over again as far as this key negative trait goes. And this negative trait comes from the most painful traits we we experience growing up with our parents. Mm. And where this this comes from is that when we're a child, growing up in our family, Mm -hmm. you know, our our parents have a mixture of positive negative traits as people. And we subconsciously form the subconscious image of our future adult partner based on the strongest traits of our parents, both good and bad. So let's say, you know, let's say a woman had a a dad who was, he was smart, he was funny and playful Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, very active, did lots of things. Um, These are all positive traits, of course, but he's also emotionally unavailable, which is one of the more common ones. 
Yes. So these are his strongest traits. And the positive ones aren't going to cause a problem. So if you're attracted to a man who's smart, funny, playful, these are all good, right? It doesn't cause any problems. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, we become subconsciously attracted to the negative trait as well. So what a person finds is that all their partners are smart, funny, playful, and emotionally unavailable. Yes. And this is just something that we all do subconsciously without realizing it. And it is so powerful that realizing it is not sufficient to address it. Yeah. I remember when I first learned about this from my therapist a long time ago, Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, okay, got it. Now that I know (laughs) that this, you know, the kind of woman I'm attracted to, I'm just going to take longer to get to know a new woman before I get involved with her. I'm going to date her longer, ask her more questions, kind of observe her, see if she has the negative trait that I was drawn to, and then I can avoid it, right? Right. And he he said to me, unfortunately, that doesn't work because what's really going on here is is that, that I'm picking up on subtle cues from all the way across the room that she does have that trait. And that's the very thing that is drawing me to her. And I would be blinded painful, to it. Stephon? What? Even though it was would you, be a painful trait, we yeah. still want to put ourselves back into that pain. Do you see what I'm asking? Well, it's not that we. I'm sorry. It's not that we want to be back in that pain. It's that it feels like home, and there's an ah. unhealed wound that does it. Right. So I was going to get to okay. that next, which is like, yeah. okay, you know, how? Why is this happening? How do we get out of it? But, I like to yeah. finish the example I was giving so people can understand why this struggle is so difficult. Yeah. So basically my old therapist's point was that, you know, when somebody has a negative trait, even when they're on their best behavior and they are hiding that trait, they're not acting it out. Yes. Which most people do when they first start, you know, when they first meet somebody new. Right. We are still able to pick up on very subtle but clear cues from all the way across the room that they do have that negative trait, which is the thing that pulls us to that person. It's the thing that makes us get excited, that turns us on, unfortunately. So Mm -hmm. the bottom line is somebody with that negative trait becomes the sexiest person on the planet for us. (laughs) Okay. Which which sucks, (laughs) right? Okay. Very much sucks. So I had one person, you know, come to understand this. I have this uh-huh. free mini course called The Three Secrets to Attract Amazing Love. And the first one is about this negative attraction pattern thing I'm talking about. And she had a little bit different experience. She read it, and then for the next year, she had the following dating life. She would meet a new guy. He would seem really cool. She would be really drawn to him, uh-huh. really excited. She, she would go on one or two dates. She would then recognize that, uh-oh, he's, he has that negative trait, so she'd cut it off and not see him again. And then sometime later, she'd meet the next guy. She'd get really excited about him. He was really, seemed very sexy and exciting. She'd yeah. go on one or two dates, go, uh-oh, he's another one of those. And she spent a whole year doing that. So on the one hand, she did manage to stay out of getting into another painful relationship. On the other hand, she wasn't getting into any relationship. All she was doing right. was avoiding the painful pattern, and that's it. She wasn't right. changing anything. Yeah. So, And then there's another uh. factor here. There's another factor here that even people who are aware of this, this is, this is not a brand new concept. I mean, a lot of people are not aware of this at all, but some people are aware of this. But then there's this other subtle thing that almost nobody is aware of. So 
let me describe the scenario. Okay. So like I said, we tend to, we tend to you know, be attracted to people with the same negative trait. Yes. Uh, but let's say our parents had that trait at a, on a 9 out of 10 scale, right? Mm-hmm. So they, you know, maximally had that trait. Um, we may be drawn to somebody who's just as bad as our parent was, or we may be attracted to somebody who's maybe a 5 on that trait. They, they share that trait, but it's not as bad as our parent version of it was. Mm-hmm. Um, or we may somehow manage to kind of dodge that bullet and even find somebody who's you know, incredibly enough, doesn't have that trait. Maybe mm-hmm. we're, we're using great control and consciousness to, you know, not just avoid it, that kind of person, but somehow manage to be with somebody who doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's not the end of the story because due to all those painful experiences we had growing up with our parents' negative trait, mm-hmm. we, become, we become very overly sensitive to anything that even very slightly reminds us of that negative trait and then we become overreactive to it and behave in a way that will unintentionally push our partner into behaving more like that negative trait. Oh. I'd like to give an example of that. Yeah, this is a really profound thing. It's actually the source of, of a lot of painful experiences in a marriage or in a long-term relationship. Right. So let me, Should let me wait, describe it. Stefan, we have about uh, two minutes before break. Should we wait or can we cover this one? I don't want to get in the middle and not be able to cover it. Um, well, let's see. <laughs> I, could, Sorry I could talk. That let me talk a little bit about where. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk a little bit about where the pattern comes from. Okay, good. Yes. Okay. This so when so a parent does this this negative thing with us, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they act out their negative trait. They yeah. angry at us or criticize, judges us, things like that. It creates this wound, emotional wound in us that's not healed, uh-huh. where it, it makes us feel bad about ourselves, you know, in relation to whatever the parent did, right? Yeah. If they're, uh-huh. if they're emotionally unavailable, then we feel unlovable. If they're critical and judgmental, you know, then we, it, well, yeah. Each negative trait has a specific outcome, basically. And as a little kid, we desperately want our parents' love. So we uh-huh. will, you know, react by trying to win the parent's love. Yes. But because they have this trait, we'll, we're never going to get it in this context, right? Because it's just who they are. But we don't realize that. You know, as a little kid, we, we never think it's the parent's problem. We think, oh, there must be something wrong with me. So I'm going to try even harder to win my parent's love. And we yes. get stuck in that, in that longing and trying to get the parent's love. So then as an adult, it's kind of like this unfinished thing, whereas yes. a little kid in us is still desperately looking to try and win our parents' love from somebody who resembles our parent, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's what hooks us. So the more yeah. they treat us negatively, the, the harder we want to try and win their love, just like we did with our parents. Right. So that's the source of the pattern. Yeah. It's why it's so powerful. Yeah. Uh, but when we get back, get back from the break, break, though, I'll also talk about how you know, we can push somebody into acting more like the parent's negative trait, even if they didn't have that trait at all. Ah, okay. Well, I mean, this is so interesting to me. I'm just kind of reliving my own life with this and my experience. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, (laughs) I should have talked to you uh, in 2013 when we first met, (laughs) Stefan. So we're going to break everybody and we'll be back with Stefan. 
Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the author of Effortless Happiness, continues in this segment to share insights that will help you live a life of greater purpose and filled with happiness. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author Joyce Buford returns after this short break. That's wrong. We are so happy that you're back, and I know you are so happy you're back, too, because Stefan is just really, for me, is answering so many of those questions that we have having experienced a relationship that we ended or that didn't uh, go on. And so when you have these experiences, they actually throw you for a, a loop. I mean, you question yourself in every which way, but knowing where they, where these doubts and fears started is just so powerful. So Stefan, I would like for you just to continue wherever you were because you were getting to kind of set it up for us again, getting into the facet of yeah. relationships. Yeah. Well, first of the last thing I said about you know, our, our our inner child being hooked on trying to win our parents' love is yeah. also the explanation as to why we'll see it in friends very easily. Uh, we don't see it in ourselves as easily. And that is the worst, the worse our friend's husband or boyfriend treats her, the more hooked she gets, right? And mm-hmm. when we say the worse she treat, they treat her, it's because what they're doing is that they're expressing that negative trait more strongly. And that negative trait is the thing that triggers that desperate feeling of trying to win the parent love. So that's, yes. that's what is the reason why, you know, that phenomenon that the worse somebody treats us, the more hooked we get. So, you know, when we see our friend do it, it's like, oh, my God, can't she see that you know, she's getting treated worse and worse, and she seems to be more and more stuck. Mm-hmm. And this is why. It's just, mm-hmm. just reminded us that much more strongly of what our parent did and triggering that longing, that desperate longing to win the parent's love. Right. So that getting back to the lot. other thing, Stefan, I find that happens a lot in women that I, you know, that I work with in um, going on creating new lives, is that they they say I stayed too long, 
I stayed too yeah. long. You know, I couldn't see yeah. the pain. Um, and exactly. I think that's a common, for, I know there are other reasons that women stay too long, but I do think that's part of the wanting to win their parent over effect, whatever that mm-hmm. is. Right? Yeah. They're wanting that to win psychological hook. Yeah. yeah. They're trying to win, the, the, the little five-year-old girl inside of them is trying to win daddy or mommy's love. Yes. In response to this painful behavior that they grew up yes. with. And yes. that's why I say, yeah, the worse our partner treats us, the more hooked we actually get. It's one of these paradoxical things. Hmm. So let's get to this other really subtle phenomenon that I said, which is how we can subconsciously actually push our partner into acting more like the painful trait of our parent. So I'm wow. going to give you the most extreme example of this. So the most extreme example is where we, we somehow managed to find a partner that that doesn't have that painful trait at all, and then we make our partner take on that negative trait. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you an example. Let's say there's this woman, we'll call her Barbara, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say her father was one of these smart, funny, playful, but emotionally unavailable fathers, right? Yes. And somehow she managed to avoid emotionally unavailable um, partner. Mm-hmm. So now in any relationship, there are two uh, very basic needs for together time and separate time, right? We mm-hmm. all have that. And in this case, you know, the, the ratio of how much together time and separate time can be different between a couple. But in this case, we're going to make that part match. They, they want the same amount of together time and separate time. The yes. only thing that's not going to be a perfect match is the timing of it. They're not always going to want to be together or separate at the same time. That's the only thing that's uh. going to mismatch between <laughs> this, this otherwise ideal couple, right? This guy mm-hmm. is not emotionally unavailable at all. He's, he's very emotionally present and available and loving and just the opposite of her dad and is everything she was looking for and hoping for, right? Yes. So here's what happens. Let's say uh, they get together Friday night for dinner, and let's say they're not yet living together. Mm-hmm. And she says, um, you know, they're just they're in a relationship. They're in a serious relationship, right? They're, they've been seeing each other for you know, several months. And mm-hmm. Friday night, and she goes, Hey, let's spend the day tomorrow, Saturday. Well, actually, let's put it this way. Let's, let's say he said, let's spend the day together tomorrow, Saturday, and she um, had other plans mm-hmm. right, or wanted to do something different. And she says, you know, sorry, you know, I, there's this other thing I wanted to do. Now, that's not going to trigger her, right? That's not her issue. Right. Her issue is the unavailable father. But let's say it's the other way around. She asks him to spend Saturday together. And he goes, oh, you know what? There's this project that I've been really wanting to work on for quite a while now, and that's that was what I was thinking of doing on Saturday. You know, why don't we get yeah. together some other time? Now, if she not, if she did not have all those years of painful experiences with her father being emotionally unavailable, she would just take that in stride. She would be a little disappointed, but say, all right, sure, we'll get together later. But because mm-hmm. of all those painful experiences of her father being emotionally unavailable. Even though that's not actually what's going on with this guy, he's just being timing unavailable on this one particular day. Right. But just that is enough, you know, that, that she's overly sensitive to anything that reminds her of her dad's emotional unavailability, and this does. So then she overreacts. So instead of saying, okay, you know, oh, well, you know, another time then, she'll, she might get clingy. And she goes, oh, really? Can't, you know, couldn't we do something together tomorrow? You know, can't you do your projects another time? Um, you know, you like hiking. Let's go hiking. We can, look, we can do something that you like. So there's this mm-hmm. kind of needy, clinging energy. Or she might get angry. It's like, okay, fine, do your project, you know, do whatever. 
Mm. So there's this overreaction on her part, which then is going to, of course, feel bad to him. And, you know, he might bend over backwards to try and reassure her and, you know, that how much how important she is to him and how much he loves her and all these things. Um, he may give in and see, get together with her when he really wanted to do something else, or he may stick to his guns and, you know, do his own thing. Right. But either way, either way, it's gonna it's gonna leave a, a distasteful, you know, after feeling for him. Right? Yes. No matter how it plays out, ultimately, he's gonna be left with this bit of an uncomfortable feeling that that you know he didn't like that. Mm-hmm. So the next time they do get together, he's gonna be slightly reserved. Because he didn't uh, like how it went last time, right? He's going to right. Now, if if they just spent some time together that time, you know, that reserve would probably clear up after about a half hour of doing something uh-huh. together. Uh-huh. But when he shows up being slightly reserved, that's going to remind her of her father's emotional unavailability. And then mm-hmm. she's going to overreact to it again. Right. In, very, in lots of different ways she could do that. She can say, you know, what's wrong? And he goes, nothing, nothing is wrong. He said, well, you, I don't know. You seem like there's something going on. There's something. I mean, she is picking up on something, yeah. but it's, she's overreacting to it. She's, you know, he could be slightly reserved because something happened to him that day. Right? It might even have nothing to do with her. Right. But whatever it is, she's either, again, going to try, like, try and really probe intensely. Like, you know, look, I can tell there's something going on. I really need you to tell me what it is, you know? Or she might uh, start a fight or she might pull away herself or get extra needy or something. There'll be this overreaction, which is going to feel bad to him again. And so he's going to pull back a bit more. Mm-hmm. And as this keeps happening, it becomes this vicious cycle where she keeps doing these things that inadvertently push him further and further away until finally he's become this really emotionally distant guy with her. And then she goes to her girlfriend saying, God, you know, when I met John, he seemed like I finally met this guy who was everything I was looking for. And he wasn't, at all emotionally distant like all my past boyfriends, but, you know, after several months, he turned out to be just the same as all the rest. I can't believe mm-hmm. it, right? Oh, Having no yeah. awareness that she caused it. Mm-hmm. But could he not have responded in that first, in that very first interaction where he came sort of reserved and they got together and he was sort of reserved? Could he not have responded when she said, uh, what's wrong? Could he not have said, well, I'm just feeling a little distance today because of disappointment of, is it just lack of communication that we, we can't express ourselves to each other? Well, he very well could have said that. He, you know, if he was a yeah. very conscious guy, you know, right. people are not always that super self-aware and super able right. to articulate. But let's say he was, let's say he was, he could yeah. say, you know, yeah. I'm just feeling a little bit of a, a little bit of a leftover negative feeling from the interaction we had Friday night right. around getting together on Saturday. And, and so, you know, I, I'm just feeling a little reserved. I, I'm, I'm, don't worry. I'll get over it. It'll be fine. I'll just, I'll warm up again, but just give me a little time. Uh huh. Even that explanation would leave her feeling really anxious. Oh, uh, would it? Okay. Yes. Right. Okay. Because it would leave her anxious. I mean, even though he's being nice about it and he's being very articulate and communicative and all that, the, the, the message to her is, you did something I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I didn't like how you how you acted with me on Friday night, and now she's going to feel insecure. Like, uh oh, is he is he losing interest in me? Does he not love, love me anymore? Is he the, right? The insecurity. Yeah. See, she felt super insecure with her father because he was emotionally yes. unavailable. 
So just even naming exactly what happened and why he's being a little reserved um, is going to bring out her insecurity. And then from that insecure right. place, she's going to act extra needy again. Yeah. And it's still be part of that same vicious cycle. Right. It's something that's very hard to control. And uh, if you look at a marriage, there's usually a, a, a few fights that happen over and over again for years. And they never they, they just keep popping up and you never seem to be able to resolve them. Yes. And yeah. it's, it's this kind of thing that's going on. This is what's causing that. Yeah. Right. So it's a very powerful force. It's, it can either cause you to get together with somebody with the worst negative trait of your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, or, and or, cre- recreate the same pain that you grew up with in the relationship itself. Right. Right. So this is, uh-huh. this is a big deal. And it's one of the biggest factors as to why marriages fail, right? 75%, well, 50% of marriages end in divorce. And the other 50% who stay together, half of them stay together unhappily. So when mm-hmm. you think about it, only only 25% of marriages are happy. 75% aren't. Yes. So like, why oh, is the, that? Yeah. Yeah, it's staggering. Yeah. Staggering, yeah. Yeah. I and mean, this is not the yeah. sole reason, but it's one of the biggest reasons. Right. That's a huge factor. Yeah. Yeah. So when someone works with you, Stefan... And it, and I know you've been very successful in working with clients. Um, how do how do you break those cycles? Yes. So there's the 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 way. So I mentioned that the the thing that caused this pattern, this mm-hmm. powerful subconscious negative attraction pattern, yes. is this unhealed emotional wound. From the negative trait itself, and there's there's mm-hmm. multiple pieces to it. I don't want to get into all the details. Right. It starts to get a little overwhelming, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like, well, I tried I tried it once actually interviewing. It's like, <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> feedback I got. It's like, wow, that was too much. You know, too much. So this is I'll part two, the part three, part four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. And we can do a whole interview okay. on just all the things that happen and all the things you have to do to unheal it. Right. Um, which is not to say that this is a long thing. So my, my therapist helped me break out of this, my negative attraction pattern um, uh-huh. using, uh, you know, kind of traditional psychotherapy that people did back then, back in uh-huh. the uh, 80s is when I did it. Uh, and it took a really long time. It took, it took me three years to break out of that pattern. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, on the one hand, I was thrilled to no longer be attracted to those women. I mean, it got to the point where I was – not only was I, did I no longer find those women the sexiest women on the planet, I felt this aversion to them. Oh, actually, that reminds me of yet another subtle phenomenon that people aren't aware of that I'd like to mention, and they'll come back to, like, how do we break out of this in a quick right. way, not a three-year yeah. way, but a fast way. Yeah. There's this other phenomenon. I said that people with the worst negative trait of your parent subconsciously become the sexiest people on the planet for you. But the opposite is also true. If you meet somebody who does not have that negative trait, Mm-hmm. then you just you don't feel chemistry with them um, because that thing is missing. That juice is missing from the mm-hmm. lack of that negative trait. So lots mm-hmm. of times people will have this situation where they'll meet this guy and they go, God, this guy is great. Mm-hmm. He is such a great guy, and he's even good-looking. It's not that he's not good-looking, right? He's this great guy. I could see that he would be – my mind can see that he would be a wonderful partner. In fact, he's got so many of the things I'm looking for in a partner, but – for some reason, I'm just not attracted to him. I just don't mm-hmm. feel any chemistry. 
And I wish I did because, wow, this guy would be perfect. But I just can't go there with him. And he's mm-hmm. a great friend. And, and when he gets a girlfriend, I'm going to be jealous of her. <laughs> you know, but yeah. I can't, I just yeah. can't, you know, if it's, chemistry is not there. It's not there. Right. And it's from the lack of the negative trait. Once mm-hmm. we doesn't have it, we just don't feel the chemistry, which yeah. also sucks. Right. So all these things. All right. Yeah. So how do we break out of it quickly so it doesn't take three years? Yeah, um, three so, years. That's too long <laughs> if you're in a marriage. <laughs> well, we're talking now single people. Uh, at right. the time, you know, I was, I was in my late 20s, so I, I didn't mind three years because, yeah. like, I was just thrilled to no longer be attracted those kind of women anymore Definitely. but yeah three years is a really long time i just yes. didn't know back then that there's any other possibility right so there's a particular thing a set of things that need to be addressed and then there's this form of uh, I don't know, a healing modality let's say mm-hmm. called the emotional freedom technique or mm-hmm. eft or it's also a lot of people call it tapping yes they call it tapping because you you tap on 10 acupuncture points with your fingertips that are kind of on your face and on your body and stuff. Yes. And for those people who have never heard, well, if you've heard of this before, then you already know that this is this amazing technique. But you can, if you haven't heard of it before, you can think of EFT as like emotional acupuncture only without using needles. Like I say, you just tap uh-huh. on points on your face with your fingers. Uh-huh. And it extremely quickly releases a negative a negative emotion. So we use this technique to heal representative memories of the parent's negative trait. Okay. So, so let's say, you know, like I said, well, the emotionally unavailable trait. So we go back yes. to the youngest you can remember experiencing your parents' emotional unavailability and the pain of that. And then we use EFT to release all the pain. So mm-hmm. it's no longer painful. Mm-hmm. And we also address what was missing because when a parent does a negative trait to us, there's two parts to it. There's the painful thing they did do, and then mm-hmm. the, there's the love that was missing, right? That's the part yeah. that hooks the inner child, like right, the love that yeah. was missing, so the child desperately tries to get that love. Right. So then we bring in another technique paired – well, it's actually part of sort of an advanced version of EFT where we're able to set things up so that – our young self, our inner child, finally gets the love that was missing. So we, we release the pain of what happened and help the inner child get the love that was missing, and that brings it to resolution. So remember I talked about this unhealed wound, which creates this perpetual pattern of being triggered and, and desperately trying to win or get the parent's love. Well, this right. releases the pain of what happened and helps the inner child get that love so that it's it's all resolved. It's done. Right. And you don't have to do – it doesn't take very long to do this. A textbook perfect case of this is like four sessions per negative trait. Really? So if the parent – yeah, so if the parent is – well, again, I keep saying emotionally unavailable. So if it's that or angry or critical or whatever it was, uh-huh. um, I, say the, I say the textbook perfect case, right? It's four sessions uh-huh. for each negative trait. And typically we're, we are subconsciously attracted to – one to, or two or three negative traits in our, in our relationships, not, not more than that. Mm. So, you know, let's say on mm. average is two. I had two mm-hmm. that I was attracted to. And so it's like four, four sessions each approximately. So it'd be like eight sessions. 
Right. Um, now, that's, there's, a bit, there's a bit more to it, but um, and there could be, you know, for and a specific individual, it might take a little longer than that, whatever. But in any case, we're not talking years. You know, we're talking, okay. you know, a, a relatively small number of sessions to finally break out of that pattern. So right. what happens at the end, at the end result of it is like what happened for me after three years, but in you know dramatically less time than that. And that is what I'll do. Actually, what I'll do is at the very beginning of working with somebody, I'll say, let's let's figure out a reference person, a guy that represents your negative attraction pattern. So is there some man mm-hmm. in your life that mm-hmm. you, either an ex partner or some other guy in your orbit that you feel right. this intense attraction to, even though your mind says bad, you know, this is, I don't, it shouldn't be with somebody really bad. <laughs> I will measure that attraction on a scale of zero to 10. And I'm mm-hmm. hoping for eight, nine or 10. Right. And then what we'll do is we'll start, you know, healing those representative memories and just tracking our progress. So that nine will go to seven then five and three, mm-hmm. then one, right. then zero. Right. Right. And yeah. when you hit, when you hit zero for attraction of that person, it turns into aversion. So no longer, not only do you no longer feel any attraction to that man, you feel this kind of yuck feeling, like, ugh. I, I, I don't even know why I was ever interested in this person. He's like, kind of like, ugh. And then the other thing that's oh. interesting is that, you know, that guy who, you, yes, oh? Yeah, I'm, I'm like thinking, oh, this is great for, you know, once a relationship ends, helping that person get over it. A lot of people stay stuck. Yeah. Yes, but we're actually going at a deeper level. We're not directly yeah. trying to help them get over that last partner. We're healing the original wounds with the parent who had the same trait. Oh, okay. And once you heal it with the parent, then this ex-partner it loses all charge. Like, oh, yes. yeah. So it does, yeah. you're right. It does help you get over the ex-partner because right. they're not hooking you anymore, right? Because we yeah. healed the hook, basically. Definitely. The other thing that happens is that you look at that guy who's great, but you're just not attracted to him, you know, uh-huh. no chemistry. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden you look at him and you go, huh, has he been working out? He looks different. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and you start feeling this chemistry with really great partners. Uh-huh. Right? You, you know, it flips. Yeah. So instead of being the you know, person with a negative trait is the sexiest person on the planet and the person without that trait is not sexy at all. People with right. a negative trait are now yuck, and people right. who are this really amazing partner are now super attractive and yeah. lots of chemistry and excitement. So it just wow. totally turns everything around. Yeah. So when you work with clients, do you do workshops, or how, how do you interact with your clients? Do you do one-on-one? Well, do Yeah, I, have, I do work one-on-one with people. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, personally, that's what I spend all my time doing. Yes. Um, and I also have a, a product that people can use where they use EFT, or I should say they're guided to use EFT on their own with all these recorded um, sessions. Oh, um, yes. As a, an alternative because it's, it's a, you know, much less expensive than one-on-one sessions. Yes. So for people who can't af- cannot afford to work with somebody one-on-one, I have this alternative thing that they can do. Um, yeah. Yeah, but you talk about a freebie that they can get on your website. And what? Is, first off, what is your website? And then tell us about the the giveaway or the no cost sure. offer that you have. So my website, yeah, my website is singletosoulmate.me. 
And the two is the number two dot me rather than dot com. So single two soulmate dot me, my website. Uh huh. Uh huh. And on the website, I have this free mini course. It's just a series of uh, seven emails, daily emails, mm-hmm. um, called the three secrets to attracting amazing love. So in this interview, we've actually been talking about one of the three um, key blocks to find love. So there's three key blocks to find love, which is why I talk about the three secrets, because I talk about how to yeah. address those three key blocks. Uh-huh. And this whole thing we've been talking about, about being attracted to the worst trait of our parent or parents, um, is one of the three key blocks. And in the mini course, I describe it again. So you'll, if you feel like reading, you'll kind of absorb it better. Um, yeah. And then I also talk about the second and third key blocks and how to address them um, in order for you to uh, be attracted to the right kind of person and to be able to be with your soulmate, the love of your life, ultimately. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. One of the things that I've so enjoyed about our time today, and by the way, I hope you'll come back for another show with us so that we can sure. I mean there's so this subject is so big and affects so many people Stefan that I really I would love to do another session with you so that we can talk about the relationships themselves we, we've we've mm-hmm. talked about how we get ourselves into it but uh just how can you create harmony and have a great relationship if you're still in the relationship uh, so will you do that? Can I get a yes? Absolutely. <laughs> you got a yes. I, I, I would love yes. to do that. <laughs> because I know yep. we're going to help some relationships heal by listening to this. And for my listeners out there, I want you to share this show. Because what is more painful than being in a relationship that is not working? I can't think of many things at all. Maybe going to surgery. I have no idea. But painful of the pain in the heart is one of the worst. And so I really do. I want to thank you very much for being with us here today. The show's been fabulous. And it's just really hard to say goodbye because <laughs> you've given us so much information that we can put into our lives. So I please listeners go to his website single two number two soulmate dot me and there you will find the three secrets of attracting amazing love a no cost uh, mini course or you will you will learn of the other things that Stefan offers I I've just been thrilled with this program, Stefan. I mean, it's even answered my question, some of the questions I had from uh, my own marriage. So I um, thank you very much for uh, being with us, being here with us today, Stefan. Um, I hope you're, continu- you're going to continue this work, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, I, I am very passionate about helping people with this because this is something that I suffered with for so long. You know, I didn't, yeah. unfortunately, I didn't have somebody to work with using EFT, so I had to do traditional methods. Yeah. And it took me so many years to finally succeed and, and be with the love of my life. And, you know, I want people to be able to get through all this stuff measured in months rather than, you know, years 
decades to, unfortunately, for many people, never. You know, yeah. I want everybody, everybody to be able to finally be able to be with the love of their life like I am yes. so fortunate to have been able to do. And your lovely wife's name is? Her name is Lauda. Lauda. And you, and you. And she's from Argentina. You, you right? That's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we, we met salsa dancing. Oh, awesome. <laughs> oh, I love That's it. That's funny. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we danced together for two months before we ever went on a date. Um, but after two months, we went on our first date. We knew by the third date that this was it, that we wanted, that we were soulmates and uh, we wanted to get married. And we, uh, we got married nine months after our first date. Awesome. All because yeah. you'd done that work and gotten ready for your mate, your lifetime mate. So anyway, right. I turns out we both have. Yeah. Oh, good. So I thank you very much for being here and look forward to our next time to talk. And for those out there, for those listening out there, share this program. Because there are so many people suffering with this pain. I appreciate that you took the time to stop by today. I know you got benefit from this program. I look forward to seeing you next week. And have a great week. Joyce Buford returns next week at the same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving the support they need through their transitions and are able to reclaim their true purpose with confidence. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at JoyceBufordEmpowers.com.